All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. They're coming to get you, Barbara. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Here's Johnny. Vanity. Definitely my favorite set. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. The power of Christ compels you! This is my boomstick! What's your favorite scary movie? Hello, horror heads, and welcome to Shiver, a horror movie podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Daniel DeBona. And I'm David Uyoa. And we are joined this week by, I believe, third time on the show, uh, Mr. Ralph Diaz-Wagner. Uh, Ralph, how are you, man? Good, good. I'm very excited. Very excited about today. Yeah, so the way that I understand it is Dave and I didn't plan on having a guest, and then when you heard we were doing <laughs> this one, you just were like, I gotta be there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so we are continuing our Summer Slasher celebration this week where we are going to go to the other side of the 80s slasher coin. We started with The Prowler last week. The Prowler is a deep, good movie. And this week we're going to go to the other side and we're going to talk <laughs> Slumber Party Massacre from 1982. This movie is... This movie got a little bit of everything, right? It, it touches a lot of those things that make a slasher a slasher. It also touches a lot of those things mm -hmm. that chase people away from the genre. Tell us what you think about the movie overall. I'm going to start with you, Ralph. Oh, you sure? Yeah, go for <laughs> it, man. Oh, you, oh, you I, okay. We're going to both, bar both barrels. Let's go. Oh, man. I, I think, like I said, I think my, my opinion is greatly affected by seeing The Prowler. I started listening to the podcast, and I stopped and jumped on Tubi to watch Prowler, then went back to the podcast and listened to it. And I guess I just went around down the rabbit hole. And when he, when when David said, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna do Slumber Party Massacre," I was like, "Oh, I'm in." And then I was just so disappointed. I was just I'm really disappointed in this movie. I just expected so. It's such a great premise. There, it's babes sleeping over, and they're gonna get like drilled. You know, I mean, come on, how do you mess this up? How do you mess up? And they somehow they did i was even very excited when i found out it was written by a woman and directed by a woman i'm like this is going to be awesome and it was not i uh I, <laughs> I i can't help but think that some of the blame might lie on you for expecting a lot of a movie named slumber party massacre yeah mm -hmm. I, i'm my, my wife says i'm an eternal optimist i think that's what happened i, I went in like just really like yay christmas and it was like no other day <laughs> all right dave what about you man uh, listen, man, I love this movie. Um, I'm just going to put it out there right now. Um, I I do think that Ralph was greatly affected by The Prowler because why wouldn't he be? The Prowler is a fantastic movie. And by the way, that is my hope of this podcast is that someone listens to an episode and says, man, what is this? I've got no idea what this is about, but it sounds fantastic. And then they turn off the podcast, watch the movie either love it or hate it and then come back and argue to their listening device with us, whether right. they're watching it on YouTube or they're listening on their phone, whatever it might be. I want that sort of um, mystery science theater 3000 effect where like you're watching along with us assholes, right? 
So um, I love that that happened and that it motivated you to watch Slumber Party Massacre. But this is not the Prowler. <laughs> not at all. But I love them both. I'm going to say that. I love them both. I love the fact that this movie does not take itself seriously. Um, I love the fact that this movie has an identity crisis. And a lot of that comes down to the fact that it was written for one purpose and then produced for another purpose and edited for a different purpose. So you, what you have is, is this sort of like hodgepodge that like shouldn't work and I guess artistically doesn't. Right. Objectively, it doesn't work. <laughs> Subjectively, however, with, 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 with the right sort of of inebriation uh, this is the kind of movie that you can love absolutely love uh it's the kind of movie that i love to put on when uh when i've got nothing to watch it's one yeah. of those movies uh because it is mindless unless you start thinking about it and i think that there's actually a lot and this goes back to the way it was written there's a lot in this movie that i think is actually very meaningful it's a slasher that can actually be torn apart and you can use critical and literary analysis on this thing to get really deep with it and i love that about this that it can be multifaceted that it can be a stupid slasher but it can be a smart slasher i am so excited to hear you say that you have analytical views of this movie um because we are we're gonna we're gonna get we're gonna get like the the boiled down essence of what our characters are on this show which is you analyzing and me going ooh nipples right um i i love this movie so funny story i chose this movie because i remembered liking it when i was younger so i fire this thing up last night and i'm watching it and i'm sitting around and i'm like well, wait a minute like I thought, where's the guitar? Like, shouldn't the drill be attached to the guitar? So I'm watching and I'm watching and all of this is brand new to me. And it turns out when I was a child, well, not a child, I'm a teenager, I saw Slumber Party Massacre 2. So this was actually my first watching of Slumber Party Massacre. That this is probably the second time this happens. You thought you had seen Evil Dead yeah, and had actually yeah, it seen happened Evil with Dead Evil Dead. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, it, it, to my defense, that one was a drunken mistake. This was just a time mistake. <laughs> um, so, but that being said, man, I I enjoyed the shit out of this movie. There is there is a there is a fourteen year old horror fan in me that was just screaming with joy through this entire movie. Uh, what's amazing about this is as we continue summer slasher celebration and we, we, we start to break down kind of how and when these things happen. 82, we get the prowler, which is a fantastic continuation of this slasher genre kicked off with Halloween and town, the dreaded sundown and Texas chainsaw and stuff like that. Halloween was on 78. So, yeah. um, so, you know, so we're going forward in it now and, there's a really interesting idea here that is is Slumber Party Massacre an attempt at furthering the genre, or is it an attempt at setting it back almost on purpose and making it something that's more accessible? Because Slumber Party Massacre is not scary. There are very few no. scary moments in this, if any, but there are some funny moments. There are some naked moments. There are some gory moments. And it, it becomes a thing where 
it's easy to look at Slumber Party Massacre and go, God, this tore down so much work that all of these people put into creating the slasher genre, making it something viable and palatable for Hollywood. And, and this movie just, just tears all that work down, just hits it at the base and destroys it. But there's also an argument here for the fact that this is the type of movie that put the slasher genre to where it is, which is date night shit. This is the type of thing where the slasher movie becomes something that you put on at a party because you could watch this movie on mute and get the exact same effect. You don't need to hear a single thing a person says in Slumber Party Massacre for this to work perfectly. This is the type of movie that plays on a big screen while you're having a beer and waiting for your number to be called to go into the haunted house at Halloween. Mm -hmm. This is that type of movie. And so... There's absolutely something to be said about the fact that that artistically this may have set the slasher genre back and created this subsect of slasher where they explored that grindhouse element of it more. But there is also something to be said about the fact that this is normie horror, which isn't a bad thing, right? It's, Mm -hmm. It's real easy to watch as much of this as we do and to get disillusioned at, at what's good and what's not and what we expect of things. And sometimes this is one of those ones where it's fun to be like, I can't, it's, this is approachable by anyone. This is something that can be enjoyable um, to a party, to you watching by yourself. This type of movie is just something that, that broadens the approach of the slasher. And, and it makes it something that you're, yeah, this is when you start to go, okay, so it's, it's okay to laugh about these things. You know, if you were having a conversation in 82 about Texas Chainsaw Massacre and that movie was hysterical to you, you probably got put on a list somewhere or your parents called <laughs> to yeah. have somebody come <laughs> talk to you. But this movie made it okay to laugh. Now, I'm not saying it, it blazed that path, but when you're looking at this coming out in the same year as The Prowler, you start to see that this is early onset of the slasher being a party movie, it being something Mm. fun. And I've got no problems with that. You know, like I said, like I said to you, Ralph, I mean, sure. You came right off the prowler. We've all made that mistake, right? You, you, you find something that you, (laughs) you, you find, you find something really good and it interests you in a new genre. And then you stumble on something that sucks and it just takes all the wind out of your sails. Right. And so I can absolutely see where, you know, 24, 48 hours removed from the Prowler that that this movie was a disappointment to you. But I really think as we get to talking about it here and you start to separate it more from the Prowler, that you're going to realize you enjoyed this movie more than you think you did. I, I, I. I, I put it in the same category as um, like wristwatches, like I'm a big uh, wristwatch fan. Um, if the first watch you ever own is a Rolex or a Patek Philippe or something like that. There is zero chance you're ever going to look at a Casio or a Timex (laughs) and be like, that's a cool fucking watch. But if you started with a Casio or, or a Timex that maybe moved up to like a Seiko or something like that, and eventually worked your way up to spending the amount of money that that guy who bought his first watch and was a Rolex just spent, you can appreciate all of it. Exactly. Because, because it's all a part of the journey. 
And I think that that's what this is. Is is this the Prowler? Absolutely, it is not. But you also can't compare it to the Prowler. I don't think. At least not yet. <laughs> but so, you didn't No. <laughs> On that, wow. we can agree. I have an Bro- Armatron. Wait. There he is. <laughs> <laughs> Ralph said, watch me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, watch on. So you know we're we're yeah. we're uh, we're, we're kind of you know neck and neck there. Mine, mine's a Garmin. <laughs> Yours is a computer. <laughs> yeah, mine's a computer. Mine has GPS in it. Uh, so while while we're you know talking about how you cannot compare here, let's get to the story, right? Um, now slashers and stories don't always mix. Um, that I think is probably the case here too. Uh, so we started with Ralph before, so I'm going to throw it to Daniel first here. But um, does the story work for you in any way? Like, is this, uh, you know, kind of same thing we talked about with the Prowler. Is this um, a good story or is this just enough to get you from kill to kill or from uh, nude scene to nude scene? Or is it even not enough for that? Um, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> there's no story here. There's there's one radio broadcast that said a killer broke free and it just sets everything into motion. Beyond that, there's no story. There's some attempt at it with like, oh, those girls are jealous of Valerie because Valerie's so hot. And but none of it plays out to mean anything. By the way, she is. I would be jealous, too. Not wrong. One hundred percent not wrong. Uh, so there, there 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 is no story here. Like I said, this movie, you can watch it on mute and, and get the same effect. That being said, I mean, how much story do you need for a movie called Slumber Party Massacre, right? <laughs> there's a killer. There's a slumber party. Uh, we're good. You know, it's this is a movie that I didn't expect any story from. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a movie where when you when you break it down and you start to look at if, if you if you if you just look at it as like a plot overview. Right. I mean, call, calling what happens in this movie a story is like going to a walmart and see uh, and seeing a doodle on the floor and be like is this art i mean i don't you know it's a kid was set loose with a sharpie like i can tell you that definitively uh that's what this movie is right the 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 story here was it it was it was somebody who wanted to do something fun was set loose with a sharpie and so but when you look at it plot wise and you remove that word story the plot moves in a sequential order that makes sense i mean people people make decisions that are only mildly idiotic some of them straight up make sense i mean hey look out now um but to call it a story is a stretch there's there's enough connective tissue here to keep it moving forward you know, we we know nothing about the driller killer. None of that has ever played out. We know that Valerie is new to town, but it doesn't end up really mattering. Um, all of these little things that are kind of story elements are all for naught in the end. And so there is this falls firmly in that category of just enough to get this thing started. Like there is enough story here to push this car down the hill and then let gravity do its work. And that's all they do. They set up a couple things and then they go, now go along for the ride and you just strap in. So to, to call it a story stretch, connective tissue, some plot stuff that kind of makes sense. Sure. All right. Ralph. 
believe it or not, I actually think there is enough story. Hey, I think that, that's why it upsets me because I think all the pieces are in place and then they just don't do enough with them. I think I, 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 I agree with you. Yeah, it's like, hey, killers on the loose. Perfect. Bam. Come into town. And I think at the beginning when he attacks the school, okay, makes sense. That that phone worker happens to be there. Boom. First one to go. That's good. And then the other girl goes back and he gets her. But then why he focuses on these girls at the house doesn't make sense. But I didn't care about that. I wasn't critical about that part. Like I said, I think there was more than enough story. I, I like that. There's an, everything's there. All the pieces are there. And then we can't put the puzzle together. I don't know why. <laughs> there was enough story. So, um, I, I'm going to agree with Ralph here. I think that the script is not uh, one of the issues that this movie has. Um, execution might be a different story. Uh, and, and and I do think that you're right about that, Ralph. I would love to see the original script that uh, Rita Mae Brown wrote because I feel like there's so much there. This really is feminist horror. Um, you know, it, it is Fair. it is not a, by mistake that he uses a drill as uh, as his weapon of choice. It is not by mistake that that drill is chopped off at the end of the movie. Yeah, You're telling that, yeah. me that they did that shot with the drill perfectly hanging between his legs <laughs> on purpose. <laughs> I mean, it, this this is totally about um, you know a, a, a woman's fear of. You know, uh, uh, male sexuality, and and, right. and and I and I think that that is on display all over and in many different characters, not just the driller killer. Because for me, I think one of the most interesting story uh, arcs here is with uh, with the neighbor, Mister Contact. Yes, and, and we'll we'll talk about it more when we get to characters. But why the fuck was he in that house in the first place? <laughs> Fair. And just and, and and you know, this is the '80s, right? You trusted your neighbors, you know. So he was just trusted, and this is a fairly young man who's being entrusted the care of, like a, a she's basically a woman. Trish is a woman, you yes. know, and and his her parents are just trusting him, and he goes into <laughs> the house, and then he gives her that you know the classic like "don't tell your parents" bit, you know, <laughs> like that. That's fucking creepy. Yeah. All right. And it's the kind of thing that we as men don't typically have to worry about this thing. But a girl does. A woman does. Because that guy who seems perfectly harmless, that guy who seems perfectly helpful, could very well be a creeper. That guy who was a little too excited about a group of high school girls getting high and drunk next door to him while he yeah, hung right. out hunting snails. Yeah, you you chose tonight to go yeah. hunt snails. Mm -hmm. Come on, Mister Contact. You know, <laughs> so um, there's there's I think there's a lot here. There's a lot here, and and uh, like even the fact that these girls can't have a night to themselves because their boyfriends push themselves on them is part of the feminist horror that's going on here. Why can't I have a girl's night? Like you go out with your friends. I just want to have like an old school night to myself. Right. Diane is forced by her boyfriend to like ask that he come right. to the party. The boys come uninvited to the house and then spy on them. And not only did they come uninvited and spy on them, but then they make fun of them 
for the stuff that they're doing in the privacy of their own homes very for true. just and it was very innocent right we are as voyeuristic as those boys were right we're watching them get undressed yeah and that shot was totally because this is a Roger Corman picture, right? <laughs> and the window's open. And, and, yeah, you know, so why? Because because that's the way Corman movies are made. You need tits, you need ass, you need uh you 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 need murder. You got tits, ass, and murder, you got a Roger Corman picture, you know, and, and that's what happens here is you you've you've got that because you kind of need it to sell, right? But also I think it was really brilliant of um of the director here um amy amy um, holden jones amy holden jones thank you to to kind of use that as a way to make us feel just as uncomfortable in that situation if you stop and you think about that scene it's really uncomfortable right and and it's not filmed in a sexy way there's no soft focus that's put on them there's no music that's played in the background it's just girls being girls yeah and these are adult actresses we know this but they're playing teenage characters in high school. You know, the shower scene at the beginning of the movie is exactly <laughs> the same thing. Is it gratuitous? Yes. Yeah. Look, do this, I, do, this movie redefined gratuitous as there's yeah. literally nothing but panning the camera down to stare at this chick's butt. <laughs> and you know what? It's an uncomfortably long shot, I think. It's, it's, it gets like, I was it. hoping she would fart. So that so that it would break some of the tension as she broke wind, you know, <laughs> uh, because oh my like, God. <laughs> and maybe the first time I saw this is as a as a teenager, because this is one that I rented. Uh, yeah. You know, oh, back, yeah. Back in the day, um, I maybe when I saw this as a teenager, I, I, I was I was too stupid and horny to, to understand what uh, what was. I think maybe being attempted here by Jones, but I really do think that there's some sort of commentary here in the story about how a girl can't just be a girl because she is constantly sexualized and constantly sexually assaulted in many different ways. And I love the fact that the way this movie ends is by decocking. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and to, to strengthen your point, I mean, Amy Holden Jones went on to do Mystic Pizza, Indecent mm -hmm. Proposal. Like, this is a woman yeah. who who cemented her legacy in doing movies that that sell that same type of story, right? That's mm -hmm. the same type of stuff that you're wading into whenever you watch any of, uh, of those other movies that she's done. And so, I mean, yeah, when you say it that way, sure. Like, there, there, there are story elements here that, that I missed on. Yeah, I, I mean, there's there's also the studio stuff that's happening here, right? Because, again, it is Roger Corman, you know, so he he wants to make a movie that's going to excite the audience. He wants to make a movie that's going to get people back in the movie theater for the next showing. Right. And so, and so, so, so you do need the nudity. And so you do you do need uh, to present this as a, a, a stock slasher, which because that's what's selling, which works. Uh, geniusly, apparently, because at 220, 220K to make, this thing made $3 million at the box office. Yeah. Nice. So, I mean, you're talking, what, that's 5, 10, 15 times, like, its budget, like, that it, that it turned out? That's incredible. Like, those yeah. are stupid numbers. Mm-hmm.
he was good at that. At one point, when he wrote when he wrote his book, King of the B Movies, uh, whatever he had made, I think he had produced two hundred and eleven movies, two hundred and something movies, and I think only three had not made money. Wow, so, that's so, insane! But he that's was wild. I mean, he would even buy Russian sci-fi and just redub it and shoot some scenes and like have like semi nude girls on the beach, and somehow it worked. And I was like, what? <laughs> so, and I do it. tend to like Corman movies. Yeah, I, then, I I I love the low budget aspect of them. Um. But that's particularly why I don't compare them to, uh, yeah. you know, like like for example, I love uh, St. Valentine's Day Massacre. I don't, know, I don't know if I've seen that one. That's uh, it's, it's uh, good. it's good. It's it's great. I, I think it's great for what it is. But you cannot compare that to something like The Untouchables. Right. Yeah. Okay. Fair. It's it's a totally totally different kind of movie. Big Bad Mama Two is good. I like that one. <laughs> <laughs> so we, as, as, as we venture forward from the story here, one thing that, that we can't get away from that we've even started into here as we've started to talk about the story is the fact that there is a, there's a full bodied cast here, right? There, there's a uh, lot. Like there. Thank you. Um, <laughs> there's, there's, there's a lot of people to discuss. There's, there's some different things that are hit by different people. So, Good or bad, one reason or another. I mean, what's who or what stands out about this cast of characters for you, Dave? Um, okay, so I am gonna go into a character I started to go into earlier, uh, which is Mr. Content. Uh, Mr. Content to me is one of the most interesting characters here because he's presented as a perfectly normal man. Fair. There's really nothing that is out of the ordinary about him. Um, he dresses like a perfectly average 80s uh, man in his maybe mid to late 20s, maybe early 30s. Right. Um, you know, he he seems uh, polite. And yet there's enough creepiness about him to wonder how often does he peek into Trisha's window? Yes. And and if her friends hadn't come home, what might he have done with Trish? What, yeah, has, because, he, what has he done with Trish in the past? Yeah, because, he, you know, he claims that he didn't think she was home, but he was upstairs where you would mm -hmm. assume the bedrooms are. So what was your end game in coming when you didn't think she was home? How many of her panties did you sneak into your giant cargo pants, sir? Correct. <laughs> You know, that's a lot of panties that you get yeah, in those cargo pockets. Yeah, that, that that man was at least up there sniffing them. Like he at was, least, at the very <laughs> least. Very least. And you he know was he wasn't looking at the panties. clean ones either. Nope. No, he was going through the hamper. I was going to say, yeah, he's in the hamper for sure. <laughs> he's, he's definitely in the hamper. You know, so I, I think that he's one of the more interesting characters here because you don't know exactly how to read him. You know, like, is it perfectly plausible that he was – looking for snails that are chewing up his garden yeah and sure. do they come out at night yeah they dry up in the sun so they do come out at night that's logical do i suspect that maybe there's something going on there and that's the beautiful thing about this movie i think is that we know that russ thorne is out there we right. know that russ thorne is a bad guy and yet those scenes with mr content are still somewhat tense yes there that is purposeful to make us try to understand what it's like to be a teenage girl with a 
perfectly normal guy in the face of all this danger, there's still danger lurking there. I think that his character, uh, at least for me, gives such an amazing depth to the movie. If you want to think about it, because if you don't want to think about it, you don't have to. And it still works on that basic dumb level right. of he's just the neighbor. You know, to me, I love that character. I thought I I, I thought he was great. Um, and um, yeah, I'll leave it at that because there's three of us today. So I, I, I don't want I don't want to, you know, monopolize characters. All right, Ralph, who do you got? Good or bad? I like this is he's the first puzzle piece that I think was uh, underutilized. I wanted him more creepy. I wanted him to actually hit on one of the kids and like either fail or just just go full dirtbag. Well, I think my well, my problem with a lot of the of the movie is just go balls to the wall, man. Why are you PGing it? I wanted him to be like smoke a joint with the kids, try to like you know just be handsy, and they'd be like mm, creepy, whatever, and then he gets killed, you know. But okay, I don't know. Okay. I. I that, that's what I thought. I wanted to like him more. I really liked the two. What I uh, something I said briefly with with Dave was like, there's almost like two leads here. Valerie and Trish are kind of dual leads. Yeah, I like that. And especially, I mean, I don't want to. I don't know how how to progress in it, but Trish is a badass, dude. Wow, she really comes towards the end. So I don't want to jump the gun there, but oh, I like the women, and I like um, kind of jumping back to story. But it's about these characters when they're together. That no need for them to to like get naked and get into their jammies, but at least it's realistic. Like their conversations, they're listening in on. I remember listening in on other conversations and oh, call this guy and see what he says. Oh, whatever. And then and and also, it, it's not they didn't do something stupid like a pillow fight. It's like God, come on. They were talking about baseball. Yeah, yes. yeah, lots of really baseball. Talking. Yeah, that's that's one of the things yeah. I really like about this is that the characters yeah. seem real. You know. Yes. Because they were sporty chicks. They obviously were really into basketball. So yeah, I, I like all the girl characters. The dudes, the two dudes that I call bitch one and bitch two. I don't know their name. <laughs> God, they're useless. Oh my God. They are. They really they, are. Yeah, Which, they, I mean, they I, I, I really serve the purpose of being like, like, you know, maybe Danzel's in distress. But again, then it's like, I don't know. I just didn't like any of them. I, I didn't like them at all, those two. Yeah, mm -hmm. no, the, those that I... I didn't like uh, the I didn't like the one boyfriend with the car, right? Like that dude was obviously just a douchebag. Yeah. Um. The the, the your 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 bitch one and bitch two, as you have yeah. um as so lovingly coined them. <laughs> I I didn't dislike those guys because yes, okay, two thousand twenty three, right? You you we you look at it now and it's like okay, that's not an okay thing to do. That's peeping, you know. Even even in the eighties, you know, it was it was frowned upon, you know, but it wasn't viewed as like this illegal thing. So they would have gotten their ears pulled and told, correct, you know, to, to to run back home. So so looking at it through the lens of that, right? I I can see where these seem to just be two nerdy guys that that talk a big game, but it's really just always the two of them. Right, mm. because you see him kind of try to flirt with the telephone girl, and he's bad <laughs> at it. So his buddy, you know, so his buddy busts his balls about it. And but there, but when you first see him, you know, they're just talking all this shit, right? And it's yeah, no, I'm gonna get with this girl, and I, that girl deserves my attention, and and all of this, and and it's the like it was it was realistic shenanigans, right? It was I I didn't dislike those guys because they were they were kind of the levity in this. Like you're looking at these girls and yes, 
Valerie a bombshell, but also there's not a single one of them where you're not like, okay, yeah, that girl is very attractive. Uh, there's oh yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. For for look, I I the people who work on telephone lines and who fix my internet are spectacular people. In my experience, never met an attractive woman doing it. Right? Nope. <laughs> like, that's not never. to say there are not. I've just never met one. But so they go to the links of this movie where they're like, yeah, this is a girls' basketball team, and they're all normal heights and very attractive and it's like okay and it's like here's their coach she's two years older than them and also very attractive <laughs> yeah. and it's like okay yeah sure and then it's like and here's i also these- like the suggestion that she's a lesbian <laughs> yes oh yeah it was very subtle, yeah, very where, subtle, it, it, was, it was very subtle and and it wasn't like you know very very in your face you know so i i, I appreciated that you know they they kind of acknowledged the uh you know okay Female PE coach, more than yeah. likely a lesbian, but she's a confirmed bachelor. She- <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know she's still young. You know, yeah. maybe that was it. But I, I, I love it. I want her, and uh, we should have gotten a scene with her and the friend who was fixing the house. That would have been. Oh, don't mean there we yes, go. But so, so, so the, the two nerdy guys, like I said, there was there was an element of innocence to them that that was that was kind of refreshing. So I did like them. One of my biggest things about this movie, and it's not a flaw or anything, it's just something that's hilarious. From if you take out Trish's parents, mm-hmm. every character in this movie seems to be the same age. Like there's. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there was, there was there was not a lot of effort put into like separating Valerie from Courtney as big sister, little sister, except for the fact that Courtney's attitude was very obviously one of like a 13, 14 year old kid, yeah. which was disorienting to say the least. Like you're looking at her and this is obviously an adult actress. And then she gets on the phone after looking at a playgirl and she's like, ew, a boy stuck his tongue in my mouth. And I was like, yeah. wait, how old are you? Because a second ago you were looking at Sylvester Stallone's dong and you were all about it. And now it's so gross to you that you were kissing a boy and he stuck his tongue in your mouth. I just need some consistency out of you, Courtney. That's all I'm looking for. Uh, <laughs> I will I will say to, to that point, to, to kind of play devil's advocate, go back to your adolescence and think about how many times you wanted to, you know, grab a Playboy. Like I, I remember uh, the Sable. Oh, uh, the sable edition. playboy. The sable playboy. Yeah. Uh, that 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 was a uh, that was a definitive moment for me. That was that was a key that was that was a keystone moment in yeah. uh, in, in um, a few young men's lives. I definitely did not have that under my mattress, <laughs> <laughs> and I definitely didn't find it weird the first time I Frenched someone. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fair. Fair. Right. And it was so, around. It, it, it was. It was right around that time. Okay. So I'll I'll give you that. Yeah. So uh, so like I said, but when it came when it came to the characters, um, I did. I really I really loved like you touched on the fact that they weren't they weren't just talking about boys and and having a pillow fight and stuff like that. Yeah. It's like hey, we're all athletes. We love baseball and like analytic breakdown like remember trying to remember play by play how the game was won 
Like, that's the type of stuff that I do when I hang out with my friends now and I'll be 40 in a week. Right. <laughs> so the, the idea that, that a bunch of that a bunch of teenage girls would do that when they're athletes. That makes sense for what they would do when they were hanging out. That's not some male fantasy of what happens at uh, at a slumber party. You know, like that. There was an episode of Friends one time where like Chandler says something about it. The girls having a pillow fight. Monica's like, do you really think that's what happens when girls have sleepovers? He's like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like because, because that's that's just the, the fantasy way. It was yeah. cool that. Yeah, sure. They stripped down in front of each other. But. It, that moment wasn't over sexualized. Mm. And so we, you did just get where it's like, yeah, I mean, I don't go dong out in front of my friends, but also like, if I just need to change my shorts or something, like I'm not going to be like, Hey, it's gonna look, happen. everybody yeah. close your eyes, you know? So that type of stuff made their relationships feel realistic. And that was very cool. And like I said, none of these were unattractive women. No, uh, the girl all. in the basketball Jersey, aces oh yeah. right see through 90 aces like it was just it was it was an attractive group of friends that just wanted to hang out and have a girls night that just kept getting ruined by dudes mm -hmm. and so when you when when i look at the characters there's uh, uh, there's not really you know yeah valerie stands out as being a badass and trish ends up showing up kind of doing the same thing and that that stuff is great because that's what they need to set them apart, but not for the wrong reasons. They needed to be set apart because we were given a group of girls who were very realistic in their relationships with each other, in their relationship kind of with their parents. You know, like, ah, no, I don't know if I can go. I got to study. My parents are going to kill me. That type of stuff. It's all standard fare, but when it plays out and it, and it all fits that, that mold. That's an impressive feat in a movie that, yeah, it's called Slumber Party Massacre. Like, we were hoping to see nipples and blood. We got that. We in did, space. yeah. But we got it in a way that wasn't, it, it wasn't, it wasn't a, a male fantasy of how this would go down and how it would be sexy. Was it sexy? Not the killing, but at times the movie was. It was understated sexy, which was cool. I um I I I, I do want to circle back to, um, bitch one and bitch two. <laughs> um, for the record, I, bitch two is the little blonde guy. Is the um, smaller one of the two? Um, oh, you know, I was imagining him as bitch one. <laughs> hmm. Um, I I love the role reversal of this movie i think it's another way that um rita may brown was working feminism into here where um so often we see um in movies not necessarily in horror movies but in movies in general i, I think more often than not in uh in action movies and dramas we see men take on this like incredibly heroic role um, and, uh, you know, at this time, you know, you would have had your Schwarzeneggers and your Stallones and your, your, your Norris's doing these incredible things and saving these damsels in distress. And to me, it's, it's such a great commentary on like, that's what I think most guys would actually be like in a situation like this. 
where in movie world, it's the girl who doesn't know what to do. Right. right. And I love the fact that, you know, um, oh, no, now, now I'm thinking about part two. Never mind. I was going to say one of the guys says, no, let's leave them behind. Uh, but actually, <laughs> no, that does happen in, in this one as well. Yeah, because they, 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 tr- they tried to do the, the, the heroic thing. Yeah. And, and then like the ultimate bitch move is uh, who you're calling bitch one. He says, well, you know, maybe we should split up because even if one of us dies the other one will be able to to outrun him right and i'm like man these these girls here are not thinking that way they're thinking about survival not how can i get away you know i i i love that those two characters are foils for like the strength that you see in in these female characters here um, I, I I absolutely love it, and then just also as a character moment, I absolutely love the character of Kim, who's played by uh, Deborah Deliso. Um, when she is shoved into the refrigerator, oh my god, that refrigerator gag gets me every single time, dude. That refrigerator gag was genius. The way yeah. they kept opening and closing the doors, kept kind of sliding in and sliding out and sliding in and sliding out. That was that is comedic gold. Oh, a 100%. Like that's, 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 that's an Abbott and Costello sketch. Like that's, that was, that was perfect. It really is. And she talks about that in um, some of the special features on the, uh, I think it was Shout Factory that put this one out. Yeah, Um, uh, yeah, they put out a a, a double feature one. Um, And she talks about how, how they did that. Like they basically just pulled all of the, the shelving out of the refrigerator and shoved her in there. (laughs) <laughs> and they said, okay, uh, like the little light fixture that holds the light bulb, just yeah. hang on to that in a way where it doesn't look like you're hanging on to it. That was it. That's all they told her. Was and there a back to it or no? Was the back open to the th- fridge? Uh, no, 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 there was a back. She was oh, really? in the refrigerator. She was actually oh, just shoved in, in the refrigerator. There, yeah. Green Lantern you know, it's, style. It's a Green Lantern style. <laughs> Indiana Jones style. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I I love that gag, and I think that it's such a funny moment. And I think that you know, uh, it, it's hard for me to say that you know this character or that character is is better than the other. But I think that there are some really great character moments here, particularly with the comedy. I think that the, the comedy's on point here. Well, and you know, uh, just two things. One. Um, you're talking about just characters, like even even some of the smaller characters. The first girl, the one who gets killed in the gym, the one after the yeah, the phone, Linda, the phone, yeah, yeah, Linda. She has a moment where, like, a series of moments that are very anti, like, uh, damsel in distress in a mm-hmm. slasher movie. She gets away very quietly gets into the room, hides under the desk, knowing that he can see it from the other thing, locks the door, quietly grabs the towel, and then has the presence of mind to go, oh man, I'm about to start bleeding under this door. I need to do something about that. Yeah. Ultimately, it doesn't work out for her. But she she had the presence of mind to do that, which is is great, right? Yeah. Because, uh, you know, it's, it's always some dumb girl running up the stairs when she should be running out the door. <laughs> she, she, she didn't have that moment. She had that moment where her survival instincts were so fucking good. She was very, very close to making it out alive. And that's, that's refreshing, especially, you know, for a, a woman that early in a slasher flick. 
Uh, and then bitch one and bitch two, you were talking about them being, being, you know, the kind of the antithesis of what was being portrayed as manly at the time. So this is 82 Conan, the barbarians, like 82, 83, right? 82. So, I mean, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, so you're, you're talking, this is coming out like the same summer as like the manliest dude right. ever committed to film <laughs> is, is also being pushed into the same set of theaters. And this is how they chose to present uh, boys in this movie. So there's, there's a big leap there in, in understanding what a male role can be. I, I, I absolutely agree with that. Um, uh, and by the way, great use of, uh, one of my favorite lines from scream. So thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there's only one character we didn't really mention. We mentioned almost all of them, good, bad, and different. Uh, and, and, and that's our actual slasher here. Uh, the driller killer, Russ Thorne, right? So, um, Ralph, you had some rather strong words oh, about yeah. uh, about our driller killer. Uh, I, I really don't him like him. Yeah, okay. I really don't like him. Uh, I understand they had to reveal they revealed him at the beginning, so there's no mystery to it. Mm -hmm. But he's just he doesn't do anything for me. He's not scary. And then again, like I said, if he's gonna be creepy, dude, just like go cr hang out with your cock out, dude. Just go crazy, <laughs> really creepy, and he's just. I don't know. He's just kind of weird, kind of like campy, but not in a good way. I don't know. I want him more. I, I don't know. I don't know how. To, what else to say? I really didn't like him. He wasn't a threat. I don't know. I I, I didn't like this guy, especially again. But and I don't want to bring up the other movie, but it's that's the problem. I mean, this guy's just. So I wish the Prowler guy would have freaking bayoneted this fucker. You know. <laughs> I'd love to see that crossover. Yeah. yeah so. I mean, when I look at the Driller Killer, and you, so when I look at the last couple of slashers that, that I've done on this show, so last week we did The Prowler, and before that I had The Phantom in the town that dreaded sundown, and, and you know, does the Driller Killer stand up? No. I mean, he doesn't. He's, but at the same time, I feel like there was no attempt to try to make me care that much about him or to develop him as that much of a character when he finally does get some spoken lines. They're just so fucking absurdly creepy that, that now I don't want to know anything about him, right? Like this, the, you know, all, all I know about the driller killer now is that this man, uh, uh, like his, his, bad relationships with women go far beyond the fact that he apparently just wants to kill them all. Oh, like, yeah. like there's, there, there's something very deep seated in, in the way that he's doing this, but I do kind of appreciate the fact that now I just get to fill in those blanks. You know, I don't, I don't need a story about him being molested or, or having some terrible childhood and, or, you know, a, a mommy dearest that, that, that treated him poorly and now he doesn't know how to love like sure i can fill in all those blanks and or, i will or a dear john times. letter <laughs> yeah exactly or a dear yeah. john letter you know i can i can continue to fill in those blanks and i probably will and and each time it's going to get more and more fun you know that this this is the type of thing where yeah now when i'm telling people about this movie I'm like yeah and there's this guy and I don't know, probably his aunt, you know, went down on him when he was a kid and now he doesn't, you know, like, and I could just, you know, and I could just, I can just build that own headcanon. Nobody gives a shit because it's Slumber Party Massacre from 82. And, uh, you know, I kind of appreciate that. Um, I do, man, the, the, the guy, the, the actual actor, uh, Michael Vieja, um, his, he just, 
he just he had that crazy face mm-hmm. you know he just he just did the wild eyes all the time i i see and I, here's where i disagree with you rob i do think that he was campy in the right way just the the kind of just barely stalking in the bushes right off the porch there where it's like dude we can see you but okay you know <laughs> like like that 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 is the type of camp that that i was looking for from him you know that you, like i mentioned earlier you get that shot where he the girl falls down and she's crying and there's that shot from behind yeah. where the drill just perfectly falls down between his legs and it's like yep okay i get it right you're going to get drilled yeah going to get drilled right all very intentional i mean the man like i said obviously has some deep seated issues but it was all presented in a fun camp package. No, this guy's. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna put this guy up in the pantheon of people that 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 are that I'm gonna you know have in the the hall of slashers, right? But there's 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 gonna be a fun little caveat at the end, right? Where there's just like a room with a big mural, and sure, the driller killer makes the mural, right? He doesn't get a bust in Canton. But he's he's he makes the mural of just slashers that have happened because one driller killer iconic name easy to remember right never even say it in the movie but everybody who's seen it knows he's the driller killer mm-hmm. you know so and and two he 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 got the fucking job done man eleven bodies yep this man stacked what, up yeah, in what, one what night a body count yeah dude twelve hours you got give or take so you're going from school is over. When he gets the phone girl, when he gets the, 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 the lady working on the phone lines to son's not up yet when he gets killed by the pool. So we got a 12 hour window. This dude's dropping him at almost one every 60 minutes. Yeah. yeah. That's an impressive body count for a movie slasher. Also fantastic sense of humor because I take it back. He did have one spoken line before his creepy ones at the end when the pizza dudes at the door and, and they go, what's the damage? six so far yeah that was great that was a great line which was amazing because whenever i watch slashers i keep up with body count and he goes six so far and i'm like what the hell like i pause it and i'm like like, did i miss one yeah Yeah, yeah. and i'm like going back there i'm like i got five and then i'm like maybe maybe it's a mistake and then they open the door and the pizza guy falls in i was like Like, there's your six Yeah. yeah i love it i mean it was just you know little sense of humor lot of deep lot of deep-seated psychosis serious issues with women um and he's efficient man i'll give him that the dude's efficient like he's he's not wasting time this is a quantity over quality slasher you know he's not he's not taking faces off or making you eat dinner with this creepy family you know he's you know he's he's not doing any of that fun stuff that the guys that we love so much do he's just like <laughs> I could go back to jail at any moment. Got to make every minute count. This, this, <laughs> the, the driller killer it was was a YOLO killer in 1982. That's that's what this guy was. He knew life was short. He'd yeah. been to jail. And at any moment, it could be all over again. He's got to squeeze every bit of juice out of this world that he can. <laughs> I um, Yeah, I'm going to disagree with Ralph again here. I, <laughs> I think that he understood the assignment. Yeah, there we he go. Knew, yeah, I think he knew that this was not Texas Chainsaw Massacre, that he didn't have to do what Gunnar Hansen did in trying to create this this uh, you know this this 
character that needed to be analyzed and overanalyzed and like why does he wear this face mask in this scene and why does he wear this face mask in this other scene man i never noticed that until you pointed it out i think on an episode of geek more and now whenever i go back and i watch it i i like i geek out so hard about the fact that he has the different masks whenever yeah. since you pointed that out and, and there's there's a lot of depth to to that movie um and i think there can be in this one too because Notice what he gets creepy about at the end, right? I mean, he's talking about how, like, you love it. You love it, yeah. You want it. You know, like, he is totally convincing her to have sex with him. Yes. And 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 there, there's, there's, there's depth there of a character that, like you said, was probably sexually abused himself by someone and was told you want it. You know, like there's there's a lot going on under the surface here. And and uh, the the actor, um, uh, Mike, uh, yeah, yeah, Vieja, thank you. Yeah, he um, he definitely was a method guy. He would oh. he, re- he would refuse to talk to the actresses until he killed them. OK, after he would kill them, after the scene was shot where he killed them, he would talk to them all all day. But like he wouldn't even have lunch with them. He would separate himself totally. So like he never had a relationship at all with uh, Michelle Michaels or with uh, Robin Style. Never, because he never got to kill them. They killed him. Oh yeah, good call. You know, so like these these are the little things where like he took the role seriously, but he also understood the kind of movie that he was making, where there needed to be some camp there. And I think that the fact that he has a very average height and build and face, like there's nothing remarkable about him. And and I think that that's, again, purposeful, the same way that it is with Mr. Content, where it's like, okay, he's just a dude. He's a guy. And what, what what's, what's dangerous about him? His tool. And yeah. the fact that he doesn't use his tool with discretion. And and I think that there's there's uh, a <laughs> no, it's, it's perfect. It's just when you say it out loud. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, and, and that's that's exactly what this movie's about. I think he understood that um, I don't put him anywhere near some of these other, you know, not the A-listers. But like we were talking about last week, I put the minor from my uh, my, uh, my bloody Valentine and I put the prowler up there. You know, um, I don't put him up there, but I think that he's fun for this movie. And I think that he's memorable enough. I think that he's the kind of guy where when I start thinking about slashers, I will think about him. He is one of the ones that's going to come to my mind. Uh, Not first, but certainly not last. And for whatever it's worth, he does have an action figure. (laughs) Of course. So someone thought that he would sell well enough to make a limited release action figure that I wish I had. I got to look for that. And there's, you know, there's what's, there's also the element of how meticulous he is uh, Mm -hmm. about what he's doing. Like, yes, the, the kills are quick, but then taking the time to put the bodies in the trunk so that they're not just piling up and and Mm -hmm. giving him away. The fact that he takes the pizza guy and pushes the pizza guy down into the basement so he can hide under the blanket. That's 
great. And it's the type of thing that were this a different movie, you don't see the killer set that up. You just get the jump scare of the killer sitting up from underneath the blanket and then going at him. But you get to watch him do that because we've got Courtney hiding under the couch. And so it's not an omniscient look into what he's doing. We have a character who is privy to that information, so we're allowed to be. And But that that element of thinking, yeah, shoving the girl in the fridge so she's not just there. there, there there's a comedic element to that. But also, we've seen that this guy doesn't just leave the bodies around he 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 puts them away he keeps them on their toes you never know where he is because you don't know where the last person he killed was Mm -hmm. and so there is there is a a method to his madness as it were in what he's doing and i i think that i think that for the the you know the the three four lines that we got out of this guy and and the the little bit of acting that we had there i do think he established himself as being somebody very memorable yeah. yeah, and so we've talked to the slasher. We've talked to characters, and now we got to put these two things together. And what slashers always come down to, and we got to talk boobs and blood. And this is a movie that delivers on both of those in in ways that matter and in ways that don't. Ralph, you've got a different color in your notes. Yeah, yeah, for boobs. Yeah. So take us into it, man. I am ready for this section. Where is it? There we go. Yeah, let's go. Show us the skin, Ralph. I love like this. This this uh, this movie really goes out of it comes out of the gate fast. I mean, we mm-hmm. see the first boobs two minutes in, almost one minute something. Yeah, and two two minutes three seconds. By the one. time I picked up the remote and paused for a timestamp. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, it was great it was for the timestamp. Time you know, it makes sense. Okay, she woke up. Is it gratuitous? Yes. Bam. And you're like, and then there's a first kill six minutes in. I'm like, oh, this is going to be awesome. Right. And then the shower scene, bam, a minute 46 after that. So it's like, wow, seven minutes and 46 seconds. We've seen boob, shower, and a kill. So that's why I think maybe I was like, yay. And then (laughs) it it, it really, I think the 40 minute mark is where it hits, where it goes to die. But there's a lot of uh, nudity up front. Like yeah, it, they really front loaded really, the nudity. By forty three, by the forty three minute mark, that's when we see the last boob. When it's the the jerk <laughs> boyfriend and Diane, is it? Yeah. Yes. And, and we just see a little little flash, whatever, because nobody wears a bra. I guess it was you know. close up though. That boob yeah. was large and in charge. It was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Especially if you're watching on like a big screen TV. Yeah. You gotta you we gotta draw your blinds, it. folks. You know, <laughs> otherwise your neighbors are gonna be thinking you're watching dirty movies. Again, I I thought it was. Uh, it was good and fast out of the gate, but then my complaint was then there, there is no sex scene, really. None. No. And there's no and it's it's gratuitous, but it's kind of weird. Like that shower scene was just weird. It wasn't pleasurable. It wasn't like like Porky's gratuitous, you know, but it was just <laughs> like yeah, like, like the camera is straight on the butt. What is that? And then it that tracked. was God, that was that was, that was, another butt. It's like and then it goes up. It's like, what the hell? I did that? I did have to make myself laugh at the gratuitous butt shot because like Dave said, it did get uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's an element to watching a shower scene where you watch and you're like, all right, cool. A bunch of naked girls hanging out. But then when like, when it happens like that and you're like, mm, now I'm, now I'm getting uncomfortable. Like now I, I feel like I'm, I, now I'm feeling creepy now. Like I didn't, I didn't want to just stare at the one girl's butt. I was just trying to enjoy the environment of having this many right. naked girls around. Once you really focus on the one thing like that, it did. It 
it it it took the voyeuristic pleasure out of watching a bunch of girls shower, yeah. which was awkward because normally, yeah, a girl shower scene rules, right? <laughs> like, and Porky that, taught us as much. Yes. yes. And in that moment, it was like, especially because there wasn't, there, there wasn't, a, there wasn't like a playful element to it. They're like, yeah, we're, yeah, great shot. And, you know, yeah. you know, it's just like, it's like, this, this is what it's just really like there, but now I'm going to make you uncomfortable. And it was, I like, like I said, I did have to make myself laugh and, and make a note about how gratuitous it was because it got uncomfortable right there. And I'm upset that, that uh, we saw Jackie in a nighty and she was never nude with no toplessness from Jackie. I mean, I really liked that character. Yeah. Because towards the end, even when the pizza guy's dead, she's like, Hey man, I'm hungry. <laughs> that, you know, that is one of my favorite parts of this movie. Yeah. She's like eating makes really me like feel her. better. And then she takes a bite. She goes, look, I'm feeling better already. Yeah. <laughs> just, just using the dead guy as a table. Like yeah. <laughs> so good. I like what, what a fantastic character. Yeah, she really is. And she makes it out towards towards the end, and she opens the door just because she thinks the other girl's there. It's not like yeah. a stupid why does she open the door? I mean, she had rung the bell, and then bam. Yeah. So, uh, do I jump into blood too, or stick with? Blue? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, go for it. Yeah, it's the whole category, man. Uh, then I, I, I mean, there's a it, the the kill count is fantastic, and they do it, it bogs down, but then it really picks up at the end. But then we don't see anything, and I know there's budgetary constraints, but. Come on, man. There's 11 kills. We barely see it. And it's not like a movie where like a, like seven where we're not seeing it because you want, you know, the mind to like go to that dark place and you want to imagine it. It's just they're not good kills. And again, here we go. I, we sh I should have put a daughter in a jar every time I mentioned Prowler. But I mean, those are the fantastic kills. Yeah. The best kills are, and in, in 1981. Wow. And this one doesn't. And then he keeps slashing people with the drill. <laughs> Dude, drill him. Don't slash him. <laughs> Get in there and like just make it messy. You know, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't like that. Uh, I don't think yeah. he's had an awful lot of experience <laughs> with drilling the drill. people before. It, that could be commentary as well, where he just he doesn't know how to use this tool. Oh, I really love the, the first oh, one. Of oh, my oh, Dave. True, that's it's good. The, it's, the, it's the phone girls drill. Oh. Yeah, it's not yeah, even but No, the idea that. That, yeah, he's just he's just got this tool that that he just happens to have, and he doesn't know how to use it. So he's just he's just slinging that thing right, yeah. and just just whatever it hits, it's, it, it's, it, it becomes down. a victim. Like that motion. Oh shit, Dave! That's goddamn. I love doing this show with you so goddamn much. Thank you. That's that is that I, is. I, I love doing the show with me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, to you your point, I, of, I want a one kill oh, where it. you really go in and it's just guts and like, like, like twirling and like, pfft, that's what I want. And we didn't get that with the coach. He slashes her and yeah, the guts come out, but there was never, I mean, the two good kills are, are the head chopping off in the hand, which is fantastic, but I needed more guts, especially uh, people. Yeah, to that point, that is the I've got to knock this movie for the that exact thing, which is one, which is one of the things that I had to knock my bloody Valentine for, which is there's potential for so many good kills here. And yes, again, like you said, we're looking at budgetary concerns and the special effects taken and showing to somebody, both of somebody's eyeballs getting drilled out as opposed <laughs> to just showing the aftermath of it is, is a big deal. But there was, there was a lot of potential here for some really cool things and just getting the aftermath of it 
is is disappointing. It, it it's you you get you get the build up, and then you don't get the release. Then you just have to clean up the mess, right? Like you don't get the fun part in the middle. Yeah. You yada yada the best part, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like you you get you get all the foreplay, and then you've just got to clean up the mess. And somehow you missed the fun part in the middle. Um, yes, the the coach's guts getting spilled. Okay, you made up for it there a little bit. But yeah, that was my biggest thing with this movie was I wanted I wanted one good drill into somebody. Like, let me see you earn the name Driller Killer. I um I'm kind of of two minds about this because while I do think that it is light on the gore, um, and I think it's light on gore, not for the same reason that my my bloody Valentine is, because that's a movie that was chopped to bits by right. uh, by the studio for censorship. Um, I don't think that they shot those scenes because it's very clearly trying to hide the fact that they were working with a shoestring budget. So I, I think that, that that is a knock against the movie. I don't know that I would go so far as to say that I would um, say that it needs to be like ultra violent or ultra gory because then I think that it takes away some of the um, light viewing pleasure that there is of this movie because it is a horror comedy. Right. Um, I think that when you when you go like maybe too far in that like gross out direction, you start to have a movie that has an identity crisis and it does already have an identity crisis. But you you start to have a movie where um, now the people who might normally be laughing at these jokes are not going to be laughing at them because they find the violence and, and the gore off putting. So I think that there needs to be a balance that struck. They definitely. um cut the balls off this movie with, right. with the budget. I would have liked to have seen, uh, you know, like Ralph was saying, I, I want to see this guy drill someone and I want to see those guts turning around there. I want to see him pull the drill out and it's just like tons of viscera. That would be awesome. We don't get it, unfortunately. And to me, the, the, the nudity in this movie is gratuitous. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's I, I, I can't enjoy it. I can't enjoy the nudity in this movie because every time I'm like, oh, why the fuck is she getting naked? You know, <laughs> and, 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 and I understand. And, and the thing is, there's one scene where it makes sense, which is when they're changing into their, you know, their their pajamas. But it, that scene is also there to show us the guys being creepers. Yeah. And uh, and peeping Toms. And so I end up feeling like a peeping Tom during that scene instead of being an omniscient observer who's just like I'm just watching these characters go about their business. I'm watching the guys be fucking pervs. Yeah. And that makes me feel like a perv. And so I, I can't appreciate the beauty of the female form in that scene, you know, <laughs> uh, just and there like was I, plenty of it. And there was plenty of it. Yeah, I mean, th these are gorgeous, gorgeous women, you know, uh, to, to to go back to uh, to that character of uh, was it Jackie um, like, man. Yeah. Wow. You know, but again, I, I, I can't appreciate it. And the same thing happens in, in the shower scene where like this is not a tasteful, 
you know, uh, scene of love or romance. You know, it's uh, it's 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 gratuitous at, at, to the point where I do end up hoping for a fart every time I watch this movie. <laughs> I I want to see the butt cheeks flap, and I want to I want to see like a puff of dust or something like talcum powder or something come out of there, so that it breaks the tension because it's 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 uncomfortable and i don't know if that was intentional uh on jones's part i kind of hope it is because if it is it's brilliant it's a brilliant way to 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 subvert and fight the um the over sexualization of women that happens in these kinds of movies by sexualizing them so that they meet the studio standard you know it's like fighting fire with fire um so I, I this this is I think definitely where where the movie suffers for me. It's not going to get a perfect score. I still love the movie because despite all that, um, I do think that there is a high body count. We do see not kill effects really, except for very few of them. But we do see you know some gore. We see some blood, um, you know, and um, and I'm not a saint. I mean, so, they, so I, I'll take the boobies. Yeah, I mean, and they—they they really they like they piled it on in the very end. They're like, here's yeah, the dude get his hand cut off, and like, yeah. and now he's jumping onto a machete and all of this. It's like, okay, so there there is some payoff there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we do start to kind of turn around and and see some of that. But yeah, man, I just I needed I just needed one drill actually going in. I, I just yeah. I needed to see it. And, 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 and you can do it cheap. You can just get pig guts. And and fake blood and get in there and doing a, a close up. It doesn't have right. to be expensive. That's that's really what I don't understand about this movie is that all the kill scenes, like the like the kill uh, shots themselves, are extreme close ups because they're probably done of like dummy bodies, right? right? So you do that like zoom in, and then now you've got a shot of a dummy body, and that's where you see the guts fall out of the coach you know um you know you've got that extreme close-up of the machete going through the driller killer at the end because it's a dummy body and the machete's going through a dummy all you have to do is do what george romero did and buy like one set of guts yeah and just keep reusing those guts you know and hope that the refrigerator doesn't go out like it did in day of the dead (laughs) um you can you, you can definitely do a close-up shot of the drill going in and tearing up the guts. I, I, I don't know. I think the Diane kill was the perfect one to do that. Yeah. You know, because yeah. That, that that's the iconic shot. She's framed between his legs. The drill yeah. dangling right there. It's like, fuck, commit to the kill now. And 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 we don't get it. You know, it's, it, it's all obscured by darkness. And the lighting is done well to hide it. Um, but this is one where I think with a little bit more money and maybe not even with that much more money, um, you know, it, it was made for 220,000, you know, put an extra 50,000 in there. And, uh, and, and now you've got yourself something where like that, that money goes directly to special effects. And that's still a good budget for 82 though. 200,000 yeah. is pretty, that's a lot for 82. I mean, for, yeah. a small, for a small movie, they could have done a lot. You know, or at least let me just like what you said, Diane. Then just get get the drill so like a smaller drill, and he's just in there. So you you know it went through the back. We don't have to see it, but just get let me see it. You know. Yeah, there's there's so few actual kills in this movie, like where you see the kill that it it does end up feeling. And and this is something I said of the new Candyman. You you know you you give me blue balls because you're setting this thing up, and then just at the moment where there should be payoff, you're gonna cut away. Right. 
it's it's like the way kung fu movies are made here in the states versus in hong kong you know you're you're always pulling away right as the shot you know of of the the fist landing is is actually you know hitting like no 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 i want to see that uh-huh. don't pull away there don't give me the the shaky cam put a fucking camera on a tripod and let me see these two fuckers kill each other right you know uh, that's that that's what i want and it's it, it's it's simple but it does require budget and knowledge because knowledge costs money. You know, you're not going to get Tom Savini like you did in the Prowler without a little bit of money. Maybe that's right. what it is. She's just not a horror director and she didn't know to go there or that specific. I don't know. It's possible. Uh, I mean, she, she's also working in, in, in the Corman system and maybe she had to use, you know, who, whoever, whoever Corman yeah. told her to use. Um, what I do know is that it feels very Roger Corman. It feels yes. like it feels like the 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 corners were cut where he knew they could be cut. Yeah, and that's a and, good point. and and in the end, it's it's in the kill because you can still by the end of the movie say, "Man, look at all these people that died." Yeah, and you can still say, "Oh yeah, man, you you saw the guts here and you saw the thing there and the eye sockets with the fucking you know whatever." And yeah, in the moment, you don't fucking realize it, but when when you stop and you think about it, yeah, you, you kind of chopped its balls off. Yeah, without a doubt. And, and, and that leaves us with just rating the thing. Yeah. Right. So um, have we, we haven't discussed. A, we haven't. Like, we, 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 we got caught up in technical issues and we forgot to uh, discuss rating. So Ralph, as the guest, we will throw it to you. Do you have a fun way a metric that we should rate this movie on out of a possible five, what? Oh, out of a possible five. Um, Frozen hot dogs. <laughs> I don't he know. Does, he, does, he does try to fix a shiner with a, with a frozen. Hot yes. Dog. That was hilarious. I, I, I don't, I, I'm going to, I'm going to have to defer this one because since I'm not favorable about this movie, I'm going to let you guys where there's five drills or I don't know what. All right. So fro- fro- frozen hot dogs is a solid choice. Um, I think terrible layups. Um, Ooh, terrible layups. <laughs> yeah, is, is is possible because, um, you know they they weren't a great varsity basketball team by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> so uh, I think I think with like, terrible layups could possibly be in the mix there. But I mean, I think frozen hot dogs kind of works. I, I like you know because you talked about the identity crisis that this movie had. And when you read, uh, when you read about the making of it, the uh, well, Rita Rita Brown, Rita Mae Brown, yep. mm-hmm. she wrote this as a parody that mm-hmm. they then shot as just a slasher movie. So I guess when you, when you take something like the hot dogs, maybe maybe we're shining a little light on the fact that that it is supposed to be a parody. So let's we can parody our own rating system in that and uh, <laughs> and, and show some love to the fact that it was originally written as a parody. I say we go with frozen hot dogs. All right. So, Ralph, out of a possible five frozen hot dogs, how many frozen hot dogs do you give this? Wow. They're, I don't know how long you're going to go, but you do have the option of going half a frozen hot dog as well. No, no, it's not that Just bad. No, because that like I said, there are things like the puzzle pieces were there. I like that the girls are realistic. They're not wimpy girls. I mean, the ending is is badass. She really like it, Trish comes out knife wielding and, you know. So there's something there. I believe it or not, I might go higher than you guys think I am. I'm gonna give it two hot dogs. Okay. okay. So you got two frozen hot dogs. Um, oh, we, we didn't talk about the music, but the music was pretty good too. Yeah. It's not problem, but damn, it was good. I yeah. I was I was going to bring that up as as something that, that it's a definite positive. Um, as I go to rate the the score of this 
was it was that perfect 80s slasher mm-hmm. cheese score yep. right like it was just a dude with a casio keyboard <laughs> and uh, a theremin and, yeah. and he just went <laughs> to town on it right so uh, that that stuff was good i'm gonna go higher than two i really i enjoyed the hell out of this uh it definitely is not without its flaws you know there there are some things here i i've i've enjoyed discussing this and i've gotten a little bit more out of it now i don't want to go too high though um because yeah there's there could have been a lot more here so i'm kind of torn um there's a really nerdy part of me that wants to dock at least half a frozen hot dog because they perpetuated the lie that Jim Jones said drink the Kool-Aid. It was actually Flavor-Aid. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I, I've, I, I've, I've, been, I've been stuck on this today because I, I don't want to go too high, and I'm trying not to just just let the fact that I enjoyed it rate it too much but i really really did enjoy it i think that it's going to be a great one to show at a halloween party to just have it in the background i think i'm going to go i'm gonna go three and a half frozen hot dogs like there's just there there is an uncomfortableness to it i did want a little bit more out of the kills um but I've no, you know what I'm, yeah, I'm going to stick with three and a half. I'm going to stick with three and a half um, because I did really enjoy it. I would recommend it, but I would, I would recommend it kind of jokingly, you know, just like, yeah, this one's a lot of fun. Don't look, don't look for too much out of it. But if you're just looking for something mindless, um, I, I, yeah, I, I feel like I can sit comfortably at three and a half frozen hot dogs. That's actually where I'm going to, um, because as much as I love this movie, there's no possible way that I can say this is a four. This is 80%. Right. You know? Um, And I know that we're only rating movies against itself, but I think this isn't the best version of this movie that there is because of the budget. Yeah. And um, really, like, I want to say four. I want to say that, like, the the, the gratuitous nudity and the, uh, the emasculated kills is a star. One for each, you know, a half a star for each. And that makes sense to me. But when I say Slumber Party Massacre, four frozen hot dogs, something happens in my brain. Says, I, dude, I, you, you witnessed me doing that live like yeah. 45 seconds ago when I almost <laughs> talked myself up to it. And then my internal dialogue was like, I can't no, say it's four out loud. Yeah. Yeah. It's because, because it's, it's not a four. It's really not a four. In fact, if I could go 3.9, <laughs> I would be happy. But we don't do decimals here. Right. So uh, that, that's, that's, for, um, that's for your public library. All right. <laughs> not, not, not for your horror podcasts. I, uh, listen, I really like this movie. I, I have recommended this movie to just about everyone that I know that is a horror fan. Uh, this is a great slasher. I will say that. It's not a good slasher but it is right. a great slasher if that makes any sort of sense this is exactly what you want out of a slasher except less so okay fair. i i and i know that those are contradictory stri- uh, statements but it's fun i rewatched this listen i'll tell you this happy birthday to me 
is a much better slasher than this is. It's a much better movie with a great twist ending. Oh, so good. God damn. It's fantastic. I mean, that movie is awesome. I rewatched this one a hell of a lot more. <laughs> yeah. Really? You know, uh, because sometimes, and, and listen, I'll give you another example. The Terminator is far and away better than Commando. On no planet is Commando as good as Terminator. I watch Commando way more than I watch Terminator. We didn't and, talk about there is a Commando moment in this movie. She's in the shed and she's looking for stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah. That's, when she oh, goes, awesome. when she goes running with the circular saw, yeah, one, the circular. She's, run, she's running with it on and doesn't yeah. realize it's corded. Comedic gold. It was great. Yeah. yeah. That, I, I love that she looks at it. She goes, oh. They did that exact same <laughs> gag in Idle Hands. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, man, I there's something about this movie. It is special. It's not good, which is why it's a 3.5, um, you know, but it's there's something about it. There's something Agreed. special about this movie. What would you say is the best one? You said that it's not the best one in the genre. Oh, no, what he's saying it's that? not the best version of itself. Like, there's yeah. a be- oh, like you were okay, saying, okay. the puzzle pieces are all there, yeah. but they weren't mm-hmm. put together properly. Oh, okay. yeah, I almost I, went one, but it was with double digit body count. Uh, boob in, in the first two minutes and music i had to give it to <laughs> fair so, uh, yeah. music on k d k d e d radio yes <laughs> oh man so yeah yeah, yeah th- th- there you go if if i have mathed correctly uh two and three and a half and a three and a half divided by three gives us three stars yep and, it's divided by three. and i'm not gonna be upset about that i'm nah. not gonna be upset about that to me um C's get degrees. C's get degrees, and um, <laughs> so do C cups. <laughs> there we go. Um, and 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 I'll, I'll I'll leave it at that. So there you have it. A shiver rating of three for the original Slumber Party Massacre from 1982. As we continue our summer slasher sensational, our sensational slasher summer. I forget. I put it together three different ways. I'm pretty sure each time alliteration, not my strong suit, but I tried. Uh, so Ralph, thank you for coming on and doing this one for us. I'm, I'm glad that we, that, that we have, that we made you watch the Prowler and slumber party massacre within a week of each other. That, <laughs> yeah, that, that just warms my heart. Um, you got anything going on you need to tell everybody about? Uh, actually, yeah, I'm, I'm introducing movies at the landmark theater in Coral Gables, uh, every Tuesday this month is Harrison Ford. And then we wrap that up the next week. And then we move on to Wednesdays with Christopher Nolan. We're doing four Christopher Nolan movies, you know, ramping up to Oppenheimer. And I actually Ah. talked to, uh, that's a landmark theater in Merrick Park. And I talked to the programmer of Gable Cinema because they're doing a midnight movies. And I told him, you got to get the Prowler. You got to get that. And he's like, I've never heard of that movie. And I'm like, oh, you got to get the Prowler. So I'll, I'll keep you updated on that. Let's see what happens. Uh, so, um, speaking of Harrison Ford, I would assume you're ramping up to release a dial of destiny. Yes. Yeah. So, um, dial of destiny comes out next week on my birthday, but uh. early birthday present to me, I get to see Raiders of the Lost Ark in the theaters for the first time ne- this coming up Tuesday. No way. Or oh, wow. on the day you're listening to this, probably depending on when we release. Uh, so I did that. Um, was it two weeks ago? I think. Yeah, well, uh, did, I remember. Yeah, I, I had never seen it in theaters. It is my all-time favorite movie, um, Raiders of the Lost Ark. And um, 
wow, what an experience to see it in 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 theaters. So I, I am so happy that, yeah, that so, you're going to be able to do that. Yes, uh, next Tuesday here at the historical ba- the historic Bama Theater um, in Tuscaloosa, they're doing like they did ET this week, and um, didn't go see that because you know I didn't want to be an emotional wreck for a week i eat to eat on the smallest possible screen et makes me cry i don't need to see yeah. it on the big screen um but yeah so i'm very excited about that so awesome so make sure you check out ralph and um his harrison ford and christopher nolan movies that he's getting into also make sure you head over to shiverpod.com where you can find links to all of our social media if you are listening we go out live every wednesday at 9 8 central you can catch us on youtube twitter and facebook we are at shiverpod on all of those things so make sure you follow us on all the social media we are the most active on instagram it's summer break so i'm hit and miss with it but i'm trying to keep it up we got some great responses from uh my little crystal camp crystal lake that was uh, me that i posted up so uh make sure you follow us let us know because as we are winding down we've got two summer slasher movies left but then we are going to bring back summer fan fest and we're going to need some people on last summer was overrun with people who wanted us to do the first horror movie that they watched. So if you were not on last summer and you've got a movie that we haven't done yet, that was a touchstone in your life, reach out to us on Instagram. Let us know. We'd love to have you on and discuss it. Absolutely. And also uh, I'm glad you mentioned ET something that I failed to mention earlier. Amy Holden Jones turned down an editing job on ET. She was going to edit ET so that she could direct this movie. Wow. Yeah. She said no to Steven Spielberg to yep. say yes to Roger Corman. <laughs> she, she was after, and, I guess. And I, and I thank her for it because yeah. E.T.'s fantastic and this is Slumber Party Massacre. <laughs> there we go. Uh, so, Dave, <laughs> um, you made your pick. I made my pick. Next week is you. Do you want to tell the people what we're going to be watching for next week? Yes. So we're going to be moving closer to modern times. So we've we've kind of, uh, you know, we, we, we've had a pit stop here at the 80s and we're moving on. Um, I decided to go with, uh, I was like, man, you know, sh- should we do something like Scream? You know, like moving to the 90s or maybe we do like a like a third or fourth installment in like one of the big franchises. Right. And I said, no, I want to keep doing these movies that maybe people haven't heard about, but are fantastic. So we did the Prowler. We did Slumber Party Massacre. We're going to move into 2009 and do a little movie called Laid to Rest. And Which it, I have never seen. It is a uh, somewhat modern, right? It's modern right. enough, I think. Take on a classic 80s slasher. And uh, I've only seen it once, but it impressed me so much that I continue to think about it. Um, so I, I cannot wait to rewatch this and really, you know, kind of start digging into it. All right. So we'll be doing laid to rest next week. Make sure you tune in, tell your friends about it. The biggest thing you can do if you love the show is give us a share, get us out there. Like I said, we've been breaking through the noise. We've had some people reach out to us, help us break through it even further with a share or a rating. We'd love to have them both. Absolutely. So on behalf of all of us here at Shiver, write you very much.